Hey everyone, and welcome to the Social Sport Podcast, where we explore the connection between endurance sports and social change. I'm your host, Emma Zimmerman, and this show is a member of the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. The guests on this show are climate change activists, mental health advocates, promoters of more inclusive outdoor spaces, and much more. Each of them are committed to exploring the connection between endurance sports and social change in their lives. Lindsley Kump joins me on the show today. Lindsley is the founder of an all-inclusive platform called Women Who Move, dedicated to empowering, encouraging, and inspiring all women through movement. Lindsley is a mom, a wife, a fur baby mom of two dogs, a field event marketing manager, and a trail runner. She speaks openly about the need to make trail running more inclusive, more accessible, and safer for BIPOC. Overall, Lindsley just speaks so openly and eloquently about diversity and safety and trail running and all sports and the power of finding joy in movement. I think this is a conversation that anyone can learn from and hopefully find joy in as well. Hey, Lindsley, welcome to the Social Sport Podcast. It's so awesome to see you again. It's nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Emma. I appreciate it. I'm so excited to to catch up because we spoke recently a few months ago and you've had just an amazing summer. I know you've been all over the place (laughs) and have done so many incredible things. So I'm excited to share what you do with listeners of the Social Sport Podcast, but also selfishly, I'm just really excited to catch up with you too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to chat. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. Of course. Lindsley, who are you? Where are you right now? And what are you passionate about? Um, My name is Lindsley. I live in Colorado. I am a trail runner out here in Colorado. Um, I'm passionate about quite a few things, but one of my biggest things right now that I'm working really hard on is bringing inclusivity into the trail community um, for BIPOC runners and for women. And then my other passion is I started an online community called Women Who Move. And it's just a community of women that kind of encourage, inspire, and uplift one another in a variety of different sports and movement. Yeah. So speaking about the first passion of bringing more uh, BIPOC folks and showing representation of BIPOC folks in trail running, you were recently at the Trans Rockies Run. And I know that the Trans Rockies team is doing some work to diversify trail and ultra running. So I just want to hear about your experience there and what that was like. Oh, the experience was amazing. I was a volunteer this year, which was was awesome. I just kind of wanted to be there to see, you know, what Trans Rockies was doing, you know, because I had heard that they were working really hard to bring inclusivity. So I wanted to be there. And then I found out a couple of my, you know, Instagram friends that I had met were going to be there as well. So I said, you know what, I really wanted to go there and support them so that they could see a face like mine mm-hmm. in a capacity of volunteering you know, having somebody there to cheer them on, to feel like, okay, I have somebody behind the scenes that's there to support me. And it was an incredible experience. I mean, they are, Trans Rockies is actually working very hard to bring, you know, BIPOC to that community, to uplift them, to tell them, yes, you can do these things and featuring them not only in their social, but just, you know, all around supporting them and the things they need and listening to their feedback. That's huge Mm -hmm. too listening to what they have to say about, you know, bringing more people to the sport, listening, listening to them openly and genuinely. 
That's so good to hear because I think it can be really hard to tell what is genuine and what is lip service, what is performative. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's just so great to hear from your experience that it seems like they are legitimately, genuinely doing a really great job. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Kevin, you know, the race director, Emily, you know, she does the um, registration piece. I mean, I just think there were so many elements out there that they were trying really, really hard you know, to hear their voices and to hear what they have to say. And I mean, even the negative feedback, I felt like they were there for it and they were listening to it and they took it into account. Mm. You mentioned that you met some Instagram friends there. And I think it's so funny because like, I mean, that's a, that's a real thing. You know, we all know people on Instagram and it's, it's kind of a strange, I'm still not great at it. I feel very weird meeting people I've met via social media, via work in person Mm -hmm. I'm just curious what that experience is like for you. I'm going to tell you, I mean, I was brought to tears quite a few Mm -hmm. times just because it was people that I had connected with on so many different levels on social. I mean, and to see them in person, I mean, especially after COVID and how everybody has been so isolated. And I will say for my own personal self, and maybe it's just because I'm older, I'm an older person. For me, social media connections are a little bit hard. Like I like meeting people in person and seeing them in that capacity. So when I met these, you know, my Instagram friends and I saw them in real life and I saw their faces and their joy and I talked to them and I got to look them in their eyes. Oh my gosh. I can't even begin to tell you what that was like. And I'm like hugs. (laughs) Yeah. You're lighting up right now talking about it. (laughs) It was just, it was a great experience. I mean, just to, and then to meet people, even new people that I had never connected with, you know, on social media, it was just, it was a remarkable experience. Like, and I'm going to stay with a Instagram friend that I met in Chicago for the Chicago marathon. Like these awesome things. It was great. (laughs) Yeah. Was there anyone in particular that you'd like been meaning to meet for a long time and finally got to meet? Oh yeah. One was Carolyn Sue. I run for and diverse we run. I mean, when she finished on her first day of trans Rockies and she crossed the finish line. And at that point, I mean, I was already like raw. My voice was raw from cheering people, (laughs) but she crossed the finish line. And I mean, I wrapped her up in my arms afterwards and she cried. And it was like, it was the most incredible experience to see her cross the finish line in something that I already knew was really hard for her. It, it was a magical moment. It was cool. I love that so much. That's beautiful. Carolyn is also an internet friend of mine and she's been a guest on the podcast. And for people who don't know, she was a large part of the effort to diversify uh, the trans Rockies run. And she's been super vocal about that and just a super awesome voice for making a more inclusive trail community. Absolutely. It's just, it's, I mean, I met the Mervinator. I mean, and I've met her, you know, Mm. previously briefly at other events, but this is the first time I actually got to sit down and have conversations with her. Um, You know, Lisa, she was another one for Harley's representing Harlem Run and Goo. I mean, there's just so many people that I've met that I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I want to step back a little bit and mm-hmm. and we'll get back to the current moment but first of all I want to talk a little bit about your past and I know that you've lived in 
some of the places that I think are most often romanticized in trail running and just outdoors communities in general. I mean, you've lived in Hawaii, California, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. And, oh, maybe I made that up. Well, Hawaii and Colorado, yeah. you you lived <laughs> there. And I'm just curious about your childhood growing up in Hawaii and whether it's fair to romanticize that experience. Cause I think we often do. We think of Hawaii as a very romantic place, especially in the outdoors community. I mean, it's where Kona is or, or whether there's another reality we should be aware of just what that was like for you. I mean, I'm going to be really honest growing up where I grew up. It, it was, it was a great place to grow up. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than being landlocked, obviously on an Island. I mean, I grew up in an environment where everybody was included because in Hawaii, I mean, it's like a melting pot of people. I mean, if you, at least when I grew up, it's like, if you ask somebody what their ethnicity was, they would tell you I'm this, 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 and this, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, growing up was great just because I never felt not included somewhere, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, there was just always all different kinds of people. And so it was a great place to grow up. And then when I moved here was when, I did have to deal with, you know, racism and dealing with the fact that I was a minority. Back home, I never felt that way. Here, I mean, even though here is home now, Colorado's home, I have felt more unincluded in places here than I did when I was growing up. So what led you to leave Hawaii where you felt so included and welcomed to Colorado, which I don't think anyone would call a melting pot? It is, it is not, but, you know, at the same time, you know, I moved here so that my son could have a better education. I mean, unfortunately, Hawaii's public school education just is not, it's not great. Mm -hmm. And it's very expensive. It's a very expensive place to live. And I wanted to go back to school and I wanted my son to have a quality education because he's, he's so bright. I mean, and so I just decided, you know what, I needed to do something different. And my sister moved here. Colorado and she was like the school systems here are incredible she's like it she's like it is there's a lot of white people here but she's like he will get a great education so we decided to move and he got a great education I mean he's grown now doing his own thing and living life so yeah and I know you've spoken openly and to me and to other people other platforms about uh, your experiences in Colorado, but you know, you've mentioned that it it was a less inclusive experience. Is there anything that particularly comes to mind, you know, when you say that? Oh, I mean, I think in everything I've done from my career, I mean, I've worked in healthcare. I mean, I work in dentistry. I mean, it is it is a very white, you know, a white arena. I mean, especially dentistry. I've always worked in that arena and it's just, it's very white and you almost have to kind of alter yourself just a bit in order to, to fit into, into that space. And I've had to do that. I've had to, I almost feel like in some ways, that's why I'm glad I'm transitioning careers. Cause I've always felt like I had to kind of shrink myself a little bit in order to fit into that environment. I mean, I got called the N word for the first time in my whole life when I moved here, not once, but twice. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been called an ape, you know, in a national park and told to go home. So, I mean, yes, there have been lots of experiences where I have felt, you know, the brunt of racism or to not be included. Yeah. And I think there's no, I mean, like adequate words to 
even, you know, say about that. Just, I'm so sorry that that has been your experience, but you said you had to shrink yourself mm-hmm. and in what forms do you think that took? Like, how did that impact you on a day-to-day basis? I think as far as, you know, in my career, I think, you know, as black women, we, we don't want to be seen as too loud or too much, or when we want to voice our opinions, it's almost seen as a, well, she's the angry black woman, you know? So I think in their moments where I should have said things or done things or stood up for myself, but always reeled it in because I'm like, oh, she's going to be seen as that person. She's going to be seen as the angry black woman, or she's going to be seen as too much or for something or for a situation. So there have been lots of times where I have felt like I couldn't be 100% myself in in my work environment. Do you think running, because I, you know, of course you're an avid runner and running is such a big part of, of so many things you do and women who move, which we'll get into as well. But do you think running has acted as a platform where you can be your full self and you don't have to shrink yourself or... Oh yeah. Is it more complicated than that? No, for sure. It's like when, you know, I'm running and I think running is a multi piece of it. And I think also to the people in my personal life that I've surrounded myself with, I mean, granted, yes. I mean, my husband is white and, you know, I have, you know, white friends, but I think I've, the people that I surround myself with have always wanted me to be 100% authentically myself and kind of really push me to be that way, you know, to not be afraid to be exactly who I am. But I think when I do run, yes, like it's just, it's a way for me to let go. I mean, when I run, I mean, I can tell you, I go through a bevy of emotions. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes from running. I mean, there have been times where I've screamed on my runs because I was just so angry and mad about situations. I mean, I've cried. I mean, I've laughed. There are times where I stop and dance. Like they're just running is just my like 100% my outlet for that a lot of the times. That's so funny. Like I think if I hope everyone, even if they're not a runner, has something where they can experience such a wash of conflicting and uh, Mm -hmm. just ridiculous. And it's just like a rainbow of emotions, you know, in, in the way that running gives. For sure. That's, you know, that's with women who move. I try to find like those features for women who, you know, Pilates does that for them Mm -hmm. or swimming does that for them or hiking does that for them. It's like, yeah, I mean, I've seen it where, or yoga, where that activity, that movement brings that out in you. It's like, I hope that's one of the things with women who move that I hope that in time I can really foster is that joyful movement, something that just brings you just that raw joy. And if you are having a hard time, that movement is something that kind of helps bring that to light and help you focus on, okay, what do I need to do in my life to make it different? You know, to, to let that emotion kind of wash over me and just sit with it. So women who move is all about empowering women to find joy in movement. Like you Mm -hmm. mentioned was running the first outlet for you where you found this joy in movement or was there some other activity before that? Um, Definitely running. I mean, I started running as kind of a a means to, to lose weight just because I had just gotten really overweight and, you know, when my son was younger. And so, but I remembered as a kid, how much running brought me joy. 
you know, I was like, I kept thinking, I was like, what's the one thing I did when I was a kid that I loved so much? It wasn't necessarily riding bikes, you know, or playing outside. I was like, I just remember it being at track practice or at meets, like how much fun I had. So I was like, you know what, let's try it again. And so when I started to lose weight and then I just, all that joy came back again. I was like, okay, yeah. Even in the hardest moments, Mm -hmm. that's when it brought me joy. And this was in Colorado, correct? You were ready in Colorado? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about Women Who Move because we've mentioned it a few times. Mm-hmm. It started in 2021. For anyone who isn't familiar, what is it? And what was the process and the inspiration behind starting it? Well, the the inspiration behind, well, I guess I should say this. So Women Who Move, I just, I wanted to create a space where I could feature women of all shapes, you know, sizes and ethnicities in forms of movement that they love and they enjoy and bring them that, that outlet. Cause I feel like in social media, we always have, you have that page that's about running that page about that's mm-hmm. about Pilates. That's about yoga. I thought, what if I created a space where women could just feel empowered and inspired by women in movement who found joy in that movement. And it could be all different types so I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to make this page. And it came about because I had a friend of mine who was running and it didn't bring her joy. She would run with us and she was just, she would just not like it so much. And I was like, but why are you doing it if it doesn't bring you joy? And she's like, because I feel like that's all I see is if you want to get in shape or you want to, you know, feel better about yourself, you should run. And I was like, do you feel better about yourself? (laughs) And she said, no. And I said, what brings you joy as far as movement? And she said, walking. I said, then why don't you walk? And she's like, I feel like, well, you don't ever see people walking. You don't ever see social media pages or things on social about walkers. You almost see that they're looked down upon. And I said, no. (laughs) How do you know? I was like, if walking brings you joy, do it. And then that's when I really started to think about it. I was like, when you do look at these social media pages, I feel like they only prop up like some of the best of the best, like in runners, like really thin white women or in Pilates, again, really thin white women. So I decided, what if I created a page of women of all different shapes, sizes and ethnicities in these different forms of movement so that you, me or you or anybody could find this page and say, hey, there are women that look just like me finding joy in movement, whether it's from skating to yoga, swimming, biking, just have that one central page where you can feel uplifted. And I think also the power in that is that there can still be a skinny white woman who does not find joy in running. And there can be a woman who is very much not a skinny white woman who is, Mm -hmm. you know, a BIPOC woman, you know, larger bodied who finds a ton of joy in running. So it's just the idea that like to kind and what I get out of women who move at least is to kind of like disalign ourselves with that expectation of what will be the thing, you know, Mm -hmm. the joy for you. 100%. That's exactly what, you know, I want that to be. And I actually just did a group one run with um, Meg from Strong Runner Chicks. Another mutual friend of ours. (laughs) And that was, and it was funny because I had had a lot of anxiety kind of going in to that run because I thought, okay, am I going to show up there? And it, it, again, it's going to be, there's nobody that's going to look like me 
you know, am I just, I mean, am I going to be the slow one? Am I going to be the one that people are waiting for? And you know what? I finally just, just decided that's the whole point of women who move is for someone to see, okay, Lindsley's there. She may not look like the normal trail runner, but she's out there doing it with other people. She's out there being who she is with other people and bringing her authentic self there. And I've had so many, you know, BIPOC runners that are like, when's your next group run? I want to (laughs) come. Yeah. And then I think like the more we show that, then we can change this idea of what a normal trail runner is Mm -hmm. and, and the fact that there is no such thing really. Um, so, but, but I, that's a thing, you know, that you've brought up before. And then I'm curious about is you do so much work to, you know, represent and to show other BIPOC women that they can be out there on the trails, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, like that can be a very exhausting thing to be focusing your run on, on getting pictures of yourself for social media platforms when it is your form of finding joy and maybe Mm -hmm. meditation. So can both of those two things exist at the same time? They can, but I'm come, I've come to that place where I do have to set boundaries on it. Uh, at first, I thought it was selfishness. I kind of kept telling myself I'm being really selfish about it. But the more I started spending time thinking about it and, you know, I'm transparent, you know, I go to therapy. Mm-hmm. The more we talked about it, I, I talked about it with my therapist. She's like, no, it's not selfish. It's just setting boundaries in your personal space, in your personal time. She's like, yes, you want to do these things. And yes, you want to bring inclusivity and you want other BIPOC runners to see that there are people like you out there. But she's like, at the same time, she's like, you have to take care of you too. Mm-hmm. And so you have to set some boundaries around that. So how do you do that? I mean, I think the idea of setting boundaries is so much easier said than done. Like, do you <laughs> write them down? Do you like, what does that look like? I do. I mean, I write them down. I just tell myself, like, especially now I'm kind of taking a little bit of a social media sort of sabbatical a little bit. I've kind of reeled in how much time I spend on there. I told myself, you know, you get this certain amount of time allotted and if you're out, you're out. Um, I've also to just kind of look back at old pictures and I was like, if you're reposting, you know, an older picture, that's fine. Like if you have a message you want to put on social media, just recycle older photos you don't have to keep taking you know new pictures you know on your run especially like tomorrow I have a long run and I have you know some personal things that I'm working through so I already told myself I'm just going to recycle an old photo Mm. if I have to I think hearing these things are so important because there is, I think, especially like if you're trying to build a platform and I mean, this is personally something that I've run into with the podcast and I'm sure many other people who are trying to do um, social change oriented work, but also at the same time, there's a conflict of, uh, you know, wanting to build that and, and not feeling authentic with the amount of time you're spending in this fake world kind of social media. So I, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up because I think that's an important, like, balance to strike and it's hard to strike. Yes, it is. It's definitely, I'm coming to try and figure out like with women who move, cause I'm trying to build it. But at the same time, I'm, you know, asking myself, I have all these other things that I need to do and deal with. And it's like, but if I'm not, if I don't check in with women who move, how many times a day are people going to not want to be a part of it? And so, so there's definitely a balance, but at the same time, I'm, you know, I talked to Meg from Strong Runner Chicks and a couple other people who have online platforms. They're like, 
you have time to build it. It's not something that A, is going to happen overnight and you don't want it to happen overnight. But at the same time, you do have to take care of you. You have to take, you know, you have to prioritize. And so that's kind of the balance that I'm trying to learn right now is like the priority piece to it and setting personal boundaries for myself. Sure. Well, I'm, it's good to hear that you've been able to do that. One thing that sticks out to me about the platform Women Who Move is that you focus on reposted content largely. So you're, you know, reposting posts from women who are doing whatever sport they, you know, find joy in, feel comfortable in. Why that choice to keep the content in the voices of the women featured? Because often we see feature pages where they are from the voice of the person curating, you know, who's in charge of this page. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering about that choice. I just said, you know, in, in the beginning, and I'm still kind of playing around with in the beginning, I was having, you know, and I still actually have a lot that I could post. I had women, I would email them or I would send them a DM and then they would email me the information that they wanted me to put. Um, but I just found that that got really lengthy and long. Mm-hmm. And it just like, I came to realize people really weren't reading through it. So I just decided like the repost piece was nice just because, you know, I'll send someone a DM if I see somebody's just finding joy in the movement that they love, you know, I'll send them a DM and I'll ask them to repost it, but I want it to be their words. I don't want to put words in someone's mouth. And when I was editing, I just found that I was having to sort of edit out pieces that I felt were really important. And that I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable in that because these were these women's words. And I just, it was hard with, you know, Instagram's limits in what you could do. I just I didn't feel good about editing pieces of that. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Another choice that I'm curious about is you spell woman with an accent. I've heard conflicting takes on this, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that I've heard some people say that it's more inclusive than woman with an E. You know, you're representing people Mm -hmm. who might not fit into the standard like what we what we envision as a woman, but others say it's less inclusive because it implies that trans women and non-binary people cannot be included in the category of women with an E. So I'm just wondering why you chose to do women with an X, why that was important. I chose to do women with an X because I wanted, I mean, and I chatted with a couple of different people about it because I wanted it to be that inclusive space. And I do know for a fact that I have, you know, non-binary and I have trans women that do follow Mm -hmm. women who move. I mean, they think it's great. I mean, and everybody who identifies as a woman, if you want to be featured on my page, please, by all means, you know, send me a direct message on women who move, tag women who move. Anybody that identifies as a woman is welcome to this page. Awesome. Has there been any sport or type of movement that you haven't featured yet that you want to? I actually sent a DM to someone. She is a trapeze artist, so I'm waiting Whoa. Yeah, no. <laughs> and then I'm actually looking to see. Um, I saw hula hoop is a thing too. I just saw it just the other day. I was like, woo. <laughs> yeah, that's a big thing. Like, it's, I feel like it's a growing sport. Oh, yeah. And then, I mean, I have a skater on there now. Like, she's a roller skating, but that's cool too. I'm just like, wow. I mean, roller skating has become like a thing. Yeah, I don't know about Colorado, but in New York, I've been seeing like roller skaters everywhere. Everywhere. I know. It's cool. Yeah. With, like light up skates from like back in the day too. It's so cool. 
now just talking about roller skating, I'm like, I need to get a roller skater on this podcast. I'll have to look at your features more. <laughs> I actually have one. I'm pretty sure she's from, I should, she was great. Um, I'm pretty sure she's from New York, actually. Let me get on my login. Oh, well, you don't have to do it now. We can, later. We can talk like, later. <laughs> but I appreciate the support uh, so much. <laughs> so, I mean, there's another dynamic that I'm curious about. It's that I think fitness and diet culture often glorifies this idea of, you know, the grind, the pain, pushing beyond what you thought you were capable of. And that, of course, has negative implications. And I get the sense that that's why you've part of why you focus on the joy. But at the same time, I think that saying to women that you must be joyful and happy all the time in exercise could also introduce or tread into um, a negative dynamic. So how do you balance showing women that they can be tough, but also joyful? I mean, there is, I mean, there are, I know lots of women who find the joy in the grind and that's okay. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I think with women who move, I just, what I really wanted was for women to find like that one form of movement that they kind of call upon whether it's in good moments or in bad moments that kind of grounds them. Okay. Like for me, that's kind of where that, that peace comes in. I mean, cause like I said, I'm not always joyful when I run, but it is the thing that I reach for when I'm having a tough time. It's the, it's that form of movement that when I'm done, I'm like, okay, like I can get through this hard time. Like I got through this run. I can get through whatever's bothering me or whatever the situ the hard situation is. So no, I don't expect every form of movement that you do, whether it's yoga, you may have, you may be having a bad moment when you're practicing your yoga, but it's that form of movement that you kind of reach for when you are having those moments. That makes so much sense. And I loved that statement of I'm not always joyful when I run, but it's what I reach for. That's beautiful. And I think relatable too. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've had lots of emotions, you know, on, on runs. I mean, you know, when my sister was diagnosed with cancer, that for sure was not a joyful run. I mean, when my stepdad, I mean, he's in the hospital. I'm not going to cry about this one. Um, he's in the hospital right now, um, you know, dealing with esophageal cancer. I mean, so yes, there are moments when I'm on my run that are not happy, that are not joyful. They're really hard. I mean, I had a run on Sunday where I'm going to be really honest. I felt like I had never run a day in my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I told my coach, it was probably hands down one of the worst runs I've had in my whole life. I mean, I cried. I sat down. I fell. It was, I just, I wanted to quit so bad. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So no, I mean, not every, not everything's going to be joyful, but at the same time, I still, when I was done, I was glad I did it. I'm so sorry to hear about what you and your family are going through right now and your father-in-law, correct? Um, yeah, it's um, my mom's husband. Yeah, my stepdad. Yeah, yeah, your stepdad. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear about that. But I know that so many people can relate to, you know, running being there for you through the ups and downs. And I feel like that's part of why running. And then I'm sure through women who move anything that that a person chooses mm -hmm. to do, the beauty of it is it follows you through 
those ups and downs of life. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just there in the joyful times or in the hard times. It's kind of like this this line that that moves with you. And mm-hmm. so what are your future plans for women who move? Is anything on your mind? Um, I would love, I mean, it's just so hard with COVID right now. I mean, you know, Meg and I had kind of talked about doing some more group runs and I would love to do just more like group activities. It's just right now with like COVID, it's so like I want to, but I also feel like there's still a lot of hesitation of kind of put some feelers out there and people are like, no, I'm still like really hesitant to be in like large groups of people I don't know, but inevitably, yes, I would like to do just a lot more group activities. Sure. Well, it'll be really cool to, to see what you do because it's such a diverse platform and, mm-hmm. and not only so many people of different backgrounds featured, but so many sports. I feel like there's yeah. just so much potential to do cool things. Oh yeah. And here in, and the one thing I will say here in Colorado, it's kind of nice. I mean, for a little bit, I mean, we had a little bit of a break from COVID. It's like, I didn't do it via women who moved, but I chatted with, I had a couple conversations. Like I did like a group rowing class you know, with a bunch of women, you know, I've done group runs, you know, I did like a group yoga class. So I would love to start doing, cause I mean, I love a lot of different forms of movement, but I just think doing things like that and having people meet new people and kind of just exploring something new, like, how do you know you don't like, I took my girlfriend who had never rode before and she had so much fun. She's like, oh my gosh, this was so much fun. And I was like, see, I mean, it's yeah. cool to kind of explore something new. Totally. So we've talked so much about, you know, finding joy in movement. And I know that you have not always found joy in trail running. I know when you moved to Colorado, you were more of a road runner. Tell mm-hmm. me about that decision, because I think it's pretty unique for someone in the Denver area. Yeah. Um, so when I moved to, well, actually, I should say when I first started running, it was definitely for sure, you know, road running, just simply because where I lived before, it was very much city. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, just what you did. And then um, I met my husband and we started dating and I was doing Spartan races. And so, I, I mean, obviously trail run in, in some aspect that way with, you know, Spartan races and he would start taking me out and, you know, he was like, okay, well, I hike, you go run. And I just remember how incredible it made me feel. I was like, I love it out here. But at the same time, it was so hard because it was like, I never saw anybody that looked like me. I mean, the few times I would go out by myself, nobody would ever speak to me or talk to me. But when I was with my husband, all of a sudden, everybody was like, hey, how you doing? And I would just, it left such a sour taste in my mouth all the time, because I was like, why is it that I'm only when I'm with my white husband, people will speak to me. And when I'm alone, nobody says a word to me. Nobody sees me. Like that was really hard. But at the same turn, just being out in nature was like so healing and it just felt so good to just be outside in some of the most beautiful spaces here in Colorado. What was the moment that made you realize the healing nature of this trail of trail running is more powerful than the pain that people cause me when I'm out on the trail, you know, that the positive outweighs the negative and I want to trail run. I think it was during COVID when we were all so sort of isolated from each other and so much was going on and I had so much anxiety all the time, you know, for a while my job was shut down and I was home and I would just go out, you know, early mornings to the trail. I was like, you know, I just need to be outside. 
am so cooped up in my house all the time, you know, worried about what's happening in the world. And I finally just, I just remember being on a run one day and I just thought, I deserve to be out here just like everyone else. Everybody else is collectively feeling, I'm sure, some of the same emotions I'm feeling right now in seeking solace in the outdoors. I deserve this just like anybody else does. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was kind of the, the catalyst. And then obviously, too, with, you know, a lot of the things that were going on with like Ahmaud Aubrey and everything, I was like, I had had enough. It was like, it's, I'm going to stand up for what's right. I deserve just like every other BIPOC person everyone deserves to be in the outdoors and to feel safe and to feel included and to feel seen. Everyone does. Everyone deserves that. There's a mantra I know that you repeat to yourself before running in the morning. What is that? Be the energy. Tell us about that. I've just come to that place where I don't care whether you say hello to me. I don't at this. I mean, I guess I should say I do care, but no matter what, I am just going to be the energy, the positive energy in any space. I mean, whether it's in my job, whether it's whether I go out on the trail, I'm always just going to be that source of good energy. I'm going to say hello to everyone. I'm going to say, you know, wave and say hi. I'm just going to be that person that brings that positivity to the situation, regardless of how you treat me. I mean, I know some people say that's kind of a, a strange mantra to have, but I just, I feel like I just want to be the energy that lights up the room or at least to attempt to be as, as often as I possibly can. Cause I'm sure, you know, it's not something that you can do all the time. Like, you know, you're, you're only human. Yep. What would you say to other BIPOC women or anyone who doesn't see themselves represented in whatever sport activity brings them joy and are struggling with, well, I don't see myself here. And that makes me feel scared, unsafe, alone, any number of feelings, but it brings me so much joy at the same time. What advice would you give? I would say, try to let that be your guiding factor. I mean, I can't say that for me, fear is one of the biggest fear of not being seen. And honestly, sometimes the fear of my own safety mm-hmm. is a contributing factor whenever I go out for a run. But at the same time, I'm always going to be fearful, but I try not to let that stop me from doing something. If you feel that joy, if trail running or hiking or anything brings you that joy, try to remember that try to remember how it makes you feel in that moment to help you move past that fear. I'm not saying it's going to take it away, but it helps you sort of kind of move over that hump and kind of move past that fear to do something that you love. Yeah, totally. And I'm sure that's, I mean, it's a hard, it's tricky, right? Because it's like fear is real. I mean, there are real threats for women trail running. There are particularly real threats for women of color. And I think that it's just, it's, it's difficult. I mean, I feel like there are no right answers to this. Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, I think that's one of the the biggest things as far as, you know, BIPOC and trail running is not being seen on so many. I mean, there's almost, there's a human element to being acknowledged. 
Mm-hmm. It's like when you go out someplace and you know someone sees you and they don't acknowledge you at all, there's a fear in that. Like, okay, I I know you see me, but you choose to ignore me. And so there's that element in that too. And that that's where a lot of people are like, well, why should I do that? Nobody sees me. Nobody sees me at all. So why should I be out here? But if it brings you happiness in that moment, it's almost like you have to kind of decide how much of that, how much that means to you. Mm. Like, you have to just, like for me, trail running, I've decided that means enough to me that I'm willing to sort of have that fear, but move past it in a way. I'm trying to think of how I want to say this. Um, without getting super emotional too. Emotional is fine. <laughs> I get emotional all the time on this podcast. <laughs> and I think that's also to the reason why I fight for it so much. I think the if fighting for inclusivity means that other people, it helps another person decide, okay, there is someone that, that's like that out there that looks like me. I can finally be able to feel like I feel included in a space. Mm-hmm. So that's why I keep fighting for it. In moments where I don't want to share my runs, I'm thinking if one person sees this and knows, okay, she's getting out there and she's doing it and she's moving past that fear, maybe I can too. Maybe I'll be brave and I can get past that too. Thank you so much for that beautiful answer, Lindsley. I was like trying to get no <laughs> super eloquent, but because it brings it's emotional sometimes for me just because. It's still, I mean, when I go out to races, I've had a couple trail races lately and I look around me and I'm always the only one and that, and that's hard, but I keep telling myself doing hard things means that maybe just maybe somebody will be brave enough to finally push past those fears to do something that they've been thinking or wanting to try. Yeah. I mean, so doing hard things like you're doing is important, but also, I mean, I don't think that the entire onus should be on athletes themselves, Mm -hmm. athletes of color to create a more inclusive and a safer environment. Yeah. What do you wish trail running community, the outdoors community in general was doing to make a more inclusive and at the end of the day, a safer outdoors community? I think a lot of it, some of it comes down to, like you said, social media and companies and their advertisement and how they advertise to people. It's like when, and I've done a lot of work with um, Honey Stinger and I think they're doing a great job of it. I think in these advertisements, if you're not featuring anybody that looks like us, I mean, because trail running is not cheap. (laughs) I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, from all the things that you need for trail running, if somebody of color is looking at these advertisements and they see nobody that looks like them or is representing representative of them, why would somebody go out and buy a $150 pair of shoes or a hundred dollar hydration pack if they are not included in this space? Why? So I think a lot of companies need to kind of sort of take the onus on that and start featuring people and especially people who are already doing it. Mm -hmm. 
like real people that are actually already out on the trails that they kind of seek these people out and put them in their advertisements. I think that's huge. Um, I think it comes down to also to just kind of also a youth thing too. I'm going to join the board of directors for um, Girls on the Run. And I think it also starts young too. Start really targeting some of these um, these lower income communities and really kind of bringing running into the fold and bringing outdoors into the fold. I think that's where we'll also start to see change too, is from the younger generation kind of putting that to the forefront. Like you can enjoy the outdoors. Let's educate you and teach you on how to enjoy these spaces and be out there. Yeah. And all of these factors are so interrelated. Like, I think it's so important how you bring up, you know, the, the barrier of, why would I spend $150 on this gear or even more often more money when I don't see myself in this community? So like the financial barrier is so connected mm-hmm. to the representation barrier. And I just think it's important to name that interconnectedness. And it's just important to name, like not enough people are saying trail running is incredibly expensive. Like not enough people are just saying that. Oh yeah. It's, it's, I mean, from the race entries and that's, you know, another thing I'm on the athlete um, advisory committee from mountain ultra and he's a not-for-profit and you can look it's mountain it's M O U N T um, 10 and Bryce Denton. He is the founder of this. And what he has done is he's created a team of BIPOC runners and he has sponsors that actually sponsor these BIPOC athletes to do trail races. And it's, it's pretty incredible because it's, like I said, there's all these socioeconomic barriers. There are, um, you know, educational barriers. There's so many different barriers. And I know for myself, and I will put it out there, I am privileged in the sense that my career kind of allows me the time to be able to drive to these places, you know, that are not super close to my house to be able to drive to these trails. I mean, I have had really great careers in order that provide me the monetary, um, the money to be able to purchase these things. Not a lot of people have that. And when they do save up this money, again, why would I go spend $150 on a pair of trail shoes if I'm not represented in this community? Because for some people, $150 is a lot of money. Totally. For a lot of people. It's a lot of money. Yeah. So you mentioned your career and that's a good segue because I did want to briefly bring up because off air, you told me that you're in a career change right now. And when you were talking to me about it, it was so cool to hear because it seemed like you know, you had followed your passion, you had, you're starting to do something that's really giving you energy. And it seemed like such a strong parallel to your running when you're like your mantra with be the energy. So I want to hear about your new career and if it's related to that mindset for you, if that's something you thought about. Um, I think so. Um, so I just decided to shift into a career in marketing. And ultimately, I, I mean, as time passes, and the more I learn, um, I would like to kind of work in the, the race industry. Um, that's kind of ultimately like my ultimate goal is what I'd like to do. And I've been working with a lot of different races right now, just kind of volunteering and kind of working a little bit in a contract basis with races. But right now for me, marketing is just something that has brought me a lot of joy. 
Mm-hmm. Not that, I mean, I've loved working in healthcare and dentistry, but for me, it's always been a safe thing. You know, as a, as a single parent, I primarily spent most of my son's life as a single parent. It was always just the safe thing. I did it, you know, to be able to provide for my child and marketing for me is just something that, you know, cause I worked for noon hydration part-time for almost two years and I would just, whenever I had to work for noon, I would just hop out of bed and I would be so excited. And I mean, it was a lot of work, but it just brought me so much joy. And just the excitement of planning events and being a part of events was, it lit me up inside. And I just decided that I needed to stop playing it safe. I needed to start doing something for me that brought me happiness, that lit me up every single day. Mm-hmm. And so I just decided to take the leap and to stop doing what was comfortable because at the end of the day, I mean, nothing ever, I have this saying, and you know, my grandma actually said this to me once. she's like, nothing ever grows. And I think everybody's heard the same before. Nothing ever grows in your comfort zone. You just kind of stay static. And I think I've just been static for so long that I decided I just need to get, start doing really hard things and getting really uncomfortable and make the leap. It's so interesting. The amount of hard things you have done, you know, the amount of leaps you've done in like a short period of time, like getting into trail running from road running and starting women who move and now career change. What a year for you. Yeah. It's, (laughs) I won't tell you it hasn't brought me some measure of anxiety, (laughs) but that's just, I mean, I think that was part of one of the lessons that COVID taught me that is life is way too short. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel for people who have lost, you know, loved ones. And, you know, I think this pandemic has taught people that if you want to do something, you need to do it because life really, really is short. Don't take things for granted. And I think for a long time, I have just kind of just been really comfortable and taken a lot of things for granted. And it just made me realize that I needed to start pushing past my comfort zone. I needed to start speaking up for things that I saw that weren't right. I needed to use my voice. And I, and again, I will say that I know that I'm privileged. I needed to start using my voice the best that I possibly could to stand up for things that weren't okay. And I just needed to start doing the things that I was passionate about. Yeah. And what an, an, you know, an incredible thing that has brought for you and so many other people too, for all the, through all the work that you've done. So I think you've created a really strong example of like what it can mean to, you know, stand up for what brings you joy and yeah. And just standing up for what's right. I mean, I think that's another thing that people have learned over the past like, year and a half that you need to just do what's right do the right thing. If it's not right, say something, do something about it. Like that's, that's one of the biggest things that have come that for me has come out of this is just doing what's right. Mm -hmm. Just do the right thing. If it's, if you see that it's wrong, stand up for something. I have to ask, is there anything kind of switching topics is there anything that you're excited for in your own running right now? 
Oh my gosh. Um, I have the best coach right now. Um, I'm running Chicago, the Chicago marathon, which I'm going to, I try to never say never, but to be really honest, it's probably going to be my last road race. Yeah, I get that. (laughs) So I'm going to run the Chicago marathon in October knock on wood. It doesn't get canceled because I really hope not. And then, um, I'm going to just spend the winter, you know, base building and then I'm going to run trans Rockies in 2020. That's so exciting. Well, okay. First of all, Chicago, I, I've, I've watched the Chicago, I've lived in Chicago for a little bit and mm-hmm. I watched the Chicago marathon before it's, I mean, everyone loves that marathon. It's super flat. It's uh it's a great one. So I'm sure you'll have a great time. And I'm so excited to hear more about trans Rockies and your whole experience training for that. I'm excited. I mean, and I'm excited for Chicago just because, again, I'm going to meet more Insta friends. <laughs> yeah. So excited for that. But I mean, it had been a bucket list race for me. But I mean, at this point, I I would say 80% of my runs are trail runs. So I've just gotten like my body has just gotten really accustomed to it. So wrote, this will be interesting. <laughs> Uh, my envy for everyone I know who lives in Colorado right now, it's like, and I have such a coping mechanism of being like, ugh, I don't want to move to Colorado. Everyone lives in Colorado. Everyone's <laughs> moving there. But like, I'm so envious. <laughs> I was like, mm, I always tell people, I'm like, you should move here, but we have a lot of people move here. So I try not to say that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get that too. It's gotten expensive because of that. And oh my gosh, you have no idea. <laughs> it's very <laughs> All right, Lindsay, are you ready for a few rapid fire questions before we wrap this up? Of course. What is your favorite race you've ever done? Oh gosh. Mm, that's actually a really hard one. Um, I think just recently, and I think it's going to be probably on my list of my favorite races as I just ran the, um, Blackhawk 10 K mm-hmm. and it was in, um, Golden Gate Stand, Golden Gate Canyon State Park. It was so beautiful. Cool. And I got a PR, so it was great. <laughs> Amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. What is a dream race that you haven't done and you dream of doing? Actually, it's Trans Rockies. I mean, I've been thinking about it for a long time and I've seen it. So I'm actually, I am excited. I'm a little nervous, but actually really excited to run it next year. Yeah, could have guessed that one. What is your favorite thing about being a fur baby mom and your favorite thing about being a human mom? My favorite thing about being a fur baby mom is I have two girls and they literally are the sweetest, kindest pups you will ever meet in your whole life. I mean, I've always, I grew up with male dogs all the time, like Mm -hmm. growing up and they are just, they're so sweet and they love me so much. And the best thing about being I'm a boy mom is my son is he is literally one of the kindest, hardest working people I've ever met. And being his mom and just watching him grow into just like a wonderful man and human being has just been like the greatest joy of my life. Oh, that's so beautiful. Do you have a book you've read or a movie you've watched recently that you would recommend? I actually just finished um, Daring to Lead by Brene Brown, and it was so it was so good. I think I'm actually, especially now that in my new career transitioning, I'm actually going to be a boss, which is yeah. 
going to be brand new for me. It was it was great to hear her talk about just leading and about vulnerability and how to be a great leader. It, it was a great book. Awesome. So the last question I ask everyone is, why is sport a powerful platform for social change? Oh, gosh, I got to answer this a couple different ones. I think sports unto itself, I think, is is a powerful thing just for anyone because the power and movement and feeling like you can be your best possible self through movement is a, it's just a, it's a powerful thing. Like I said, for me and running, when I'm done with a run, even if it's not a good run, by the time I'm done, I feel so good about myself and the fact that I finished something and it's kind of a catalyst in social change. It's like standing up for something that you believe in at the end of the day you did something good. You stood up for what was right. And that's where that parallel kind of comes in is you finished it. And now you feel good about making that change. Man, Lindsley, so many times during this conversation, I've like almost started crying. You're, you are so powerful. And I mean, you already know that I'm a big fan of you and all the work that you do. And I'm just really grateful for you uh, for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to talk with me today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social Sport. If you have been listening and enjoying the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you would take maybe three minutes and head on over to Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe, rate, and review the show. Ratings and reviews are incredibly helpful in allowing me to reach more listeners and just keep telling these stories at the intersection of sport and change. Another helpful step you can take is to tell your friends about social sport. Spread the word if you've been enjoying the show, share it in your Instagram story, tweet about it, or you know, just word of mouth, tell your friends. That would be so helpful to me. If you want to stay updated on social sport, subscribe to the newsletter at socialsport.substack.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at socialsportpod, and you can find all the show notes and the backlog of episodes over at sidiousmag.com in the podcast tab under social sport. Have a fabulous week, stay sporty, and keep resisting.